Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday version of the Two Guys at a Mic show. Thank you so much for joining us. Plenty to talk about. And, of course, part of what we talk about is still catching up a little bit. A little bit from a busy sports weekend. We like to call it Residue Tuesday here on the Two Guys at a Mic show. Pick up some of the stories, some of the games, some of the action we did not get to from, of course, our somewhat limited one-hour sports talk show. So we'll do that. We got some action to talk about last night. And, shockingly, there's actually... A very, very good football game tonight as well. I'm still recuperating from the weekend that was. Uh, didn't watch Monday Night Football, but wow. What a game last night, and uh, there's no hangover. There's no rest for the weary. We got more football action coming at you tonight. Let's take a quick uh, musical interlude and the uh, big dog and the coach. We'll be back at you in about 8.5 seconds. Thank you very much. That was .5 over the limit. David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass. By the way, David, congrats again. Coming off a 3-0 and Beat the Schmoes football Friday weekend as the guy's hot streak continues. Absolutely amazing. want to congratulate uh, uh, emailer Kevin. Not caller Kevin, but emailer Kevin from uh, Homewood Flossmore, who also went 3-0 and to make it a tie and uh, beat the Schmoes. But, of course, uh, no prizes given out. you got to beat the Schmoes. Tie goes to the runner. Tie goes to the dealer, I should say. 888-463-6748. That's our phone number. Coach uh, Minus, the big dog right now. We're waiting for a call in from uh, Joel, but we certainly got plenty to talk about. And, again, Residue Tuesday. So anything that happened over the sports weekend, and we had mentioned that, uh, and, and surprisingly, Joel actually agreed with me, that probably of the uh, seven or eight weeks of college football so far, that might have been the best weekend of college football. Phenomenal games, and I'm still recuperating from it, taking a nice break. Already starting to get excited, David Olson, about my uh, Northwestern Wildcats traveling to uh, Nebraska. Where's Nebraska? What town is it in again? The university? Great atmosphere. I'm still reading about with the home atmosphere at Nebraska. Is, is it Lincoln? Yeah, there you go. Thank yeah. you very much. Total brain cramp right there, but uh, the fans in Lincoln, Nebraska, one of the great atmospheres in college football. My cats uh, coming off a big win over Indiana, so getting excited about that on Saturday, but enjoying a little bit of reprieve from the college football weekend, and lo and behold, sneaking up on me. I did not realize it, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have Tuesday night college football, and not just a regular game, but this is an outstanding game, Mac conference championship possibly at stake this is must see tv if you are a college football fan and i know these aren't you know two major names at you but i'm telling you this is going to be a great game northern illinois university huskies very good team this year very exciting one of the most underrated players in the country and a guy named chandler harnish who i think is like a ninth year quarterback for northern i'm not sure how the program works but it I think the guy's like 33 years old. He's got his grandkids coming to the game. But Chandler Harness is their quarterback, and they take on a very good Toledo team with a four-game win streak. So very odd. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, college football. I can't quite figure that out, but uh, it's must-see TV. I'm telling you, as a football fan, if I had time, 
If I had time, I would have told you we were so busy yesterday, recapping the game, busy weekend. Again, a somewhat limited one-hour sports talk show gets frustrating. But I was going to mention, and I think we welcome in the big dog, Joel Radwanski, that I thought the Monday night matchup, and Monday night has had some dogs of late. But Monday night football, I thought the San Diego Chargers at Kansas City, at Arrowhead, the great story of the Chiefs coming back from their 0-3 start. I thought that was going to be a great football game. Didn't get a chance to watch it. Didn't get a chance to let our listeners know that. But turned out to be a heck of a game, 23-20 to in overtime. Uh, let's talk about that game, the matchup tonight, Residue Tuesday, the matchups over the weekend as well. And uh, let's welcome in the big dog, Joe Edwanski. Big dog, how are you? Well, I'm doing absolutely phenomenal, Coach. And, and if you think about how this season started for the Kansas City Chiefs, they Incredible. weren't just 0-2. They were 0-2, and they lost to the Detroit Lions uh, 1 million to nothing or something like that. I mean, it was bad. And who would ever would have thought the Chiefs would have turned it around like this? And also considering they lost their three best players. They lost yep. Jamal Charles, who set the record for average yards per rush last season. That's a, a pretty big record to break. And then not being in your lineup, they lost. Tony Milwaukee, who's an angry Samoan at, at tight end. How often do you get an angry Samoan at tight end? And an angry Samoan who played his high school football about a half an hour from here. He's a Chicago area guy. Milwaukee, where did he go to school at? Wheaton, Warrenville South. I did not know Milwaukee Absolutely. was there. I remember announcing his games for Comcast, and his sister was a uh, superb basketball player, Division One player. But, yeah, Tony Milwaukee, uh, a Wheaton, Warrenville South grad. Wow, I had no idea, Coach. They've put a lot into the league, haven't they? Yeah, they have indeed. And then the injury uh, you haven't mentioned, the game one, they lost maybe their best all-around player, one of the best safeties, and their team leader, Eric Berry, out for the season after the first game. And uh, that's the last one I was going to say. And even though Jamal Charles is the most known player on the team, there's no question Eric Berry is one of the best safeties in the game of football yep. outside of Torres Palomalu and definitely on that team. So that was a huge loss for that team. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, again, without sounding too corny, too cliches, but that's the kind of stuff we love seeing in sports teams that are completely counted out. There were sports talkers, there were experts, uh, you know, almost part sad and part humorously, uh, you know, writing off what a horrible season it's going to be for KC. I mean, you're 0 and 3, you're minus your three best players, you know, you're only three weeks into the season, you know, how do they survive? How do they go on the next 13 weeks? They're playing for Andrew Luck, yada, yada, yada. Amazingly, dog, credit to the coaching staff and the players. They turn it around in a big way. They've now won four in a row. Yeah, that's, you know, that's isn't that what life is about, Coach? You know, forget sports as the microcosm for life. But, yep. you know, sometimes things aren't going to go your way, and you just got to buckle it up and get it done. So, No question I mean, worse things it. have happened than being on a bad football team. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was listening to Merle Hodge yesterday, and they were talking about how bad it's going to get in Denver because Tim Tebow is horrible, and you got to go to work when you know you can't win and all that. You don't know how bad it is to go to work as a football player when you, when your team can't win. Yeah, I would love to be on the road with 16 football <laughs> team this year. Absolutely. Yes. I'd be more than happy to wake up every Monday morning not being able to move and realize I just made $40,000 to run into other human beings at full speed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, you know, it's like we're – Oh, how about those Cardinals? They were so resilient. It's a big deal. They kept playing baseball till the end of the season, and they ended up winning the World Series. I, I know it's remarkable that they did that, and you do give the thumbs up to the Chiefs, and, and you scratch your head with the Cardinals. But when people say, can you believe they never gave up? No, yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, they, they went out there, and they, played, they did this job every day for the end of the year. So 
I, I don't look at it any other way besides they just did their job. Right. Yeah, thank you for that reminder because we we can get so lost. Uh, those of us that are you know enjoy the sports so much and occasionally get lost in the sporting world, but you do need to uh, more more often than seldom, if that makes any sense, that I'll step out of the sports box and gain some perspective, and that's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's now, see. One day, week, one day a week for three hours when the Bears are playing, Coach. Yeah. I just want to admit I don't want any perspective. I just want to be a drooling idiot watching the orange and blue get it done. How about that? All right. So far, American military is going to make any strikes, if any uh, major arrests are going to be made, any national news about to be made, if they could avoid 12 to 3 o'clock on Sundays, that would be appreciated by yourself? Without question. Okay. Without question. All right. Like, thank goodness the Bears weren't running when the Osama bin Laden was killed, because I wouldn't <laughs> even care. I'd be like, I'd be like, four things about to pop for 100, but what, who cares about Osama Joe would have been on the chart. Bin Laden. But what, bin Laden. What does he average? You know, that guy's... <laughs> Guy's nothing. He played for Utah State last year, 3.2 ever. What are we getting so excited about? Back to the Bears game! Yeah, oh, yeah I thought goodness. the guy could play when I thought it was an angry Samoan. You know, then I found out, you know, yep. he's six foot eight with no feet. Yep. That is a, we have not made many contributions to the sporting world, quite frankly, Big Dog, in the nearly 10 years we've been together. But I think our angry Samoan theory is something that we can rightfully be proud of. Uh, coach, and, and I'm, it's my, it's my theory. So yeah. since that's the only thing I've really added to the show, I, please let, well, let me own that. that's not the only thing. There's been a few, and we're, we're still trying to put our top ten highlights together over ten years. Right now we're up to six, which is an average of .6 every year, or a .4, I think, one uh, every year. But, but uh, no, you can be rightfully proud of that, and I piggybacked on that. I think the angry Samoan theory, which if you're new to the show, basically pretty simple, whichever team. Has the most uh, angry Samoans on them, football we're talking about, typically wins the game. And, and we're not just talking Samoans. they got to be angry. Yes. Okay. Like, yep. Troy Palomalu is angry. I don't care what anybody says. He might talk yep. all sweet. Yeah, I talk like I'm my taste. But you have to admit, that guy yeah. will hit you right in the mouth. Oh, I just got him. I got the guy I couldn't think of yesterday. David, look it up. See if he is not the original throwing Samoan, Jack Thompson. Now, I know that's not a Samoan name, but in my mind... Jack Thompson, University of Washington, he was the guy known as the throwing Samoan. I could be completely, completely off my rocker, but I'll take a shot at it. It's also a theory I've had in youth soccer, Big Dog, when I coached for like nine or ten years. Uh-huh. And whenever I got my roster, I could almost predict what my final schedule was going to be on the number of non-American-born players that were on my team. The more Hispanic names I had on the I didn't even know who these kids were. But I'd look at the roster, and if I had like six or seven Hispanic Player, it was going to be a winning season. If I had, you know, only one or two, forget about it. Okay, so let me see. Uh, I, I'll, I'll take Pepe. Give me a Jose. Yep. Uh, a Vladimir. Make sure. Oh, Victor, Victor, you must come here. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, oh well. Yep. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take this guy. You know, <laughs> Terry. Personally. No, okay, well then obviously you can play some football. Personally, I've had great success with Dimitris, but you know that's a that's a whole other story. All right, David, is that right? Jack Thompson, what? Yep, you are correct, sir. The throwing Samoan. Not a very Samoan name. Uh, Big Dog, last night was uh, Halloween. Hope uh, you and yours, and please keep your hands off mine, uh, had an outstanding Halloween. We did get an email from one of our emailers, not in Aurora, but nearby, and said that uh, she was walking around last night, said saw a bald-headed guy in a fairy princess outfit with very nice-looking calves and wanted to know if that might have been you. Coach, it was me. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it, it was a fairly princess, not a fairy princess. I was dressed <laughs> as a Detroit Lion defensive lineman, okay? 
Oh, there's a Nick Fairley princess. Yes, exactly. I got you. A little bit more manly than the typical princess. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. You combine Nick Farley's thighs with your calf muscles, and uh, that's a distraction to to one and all. Every time somebody came up to me and gave me an evil look, I was like, it's cold out. Shrinkage. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love Halloween. I I can't explain our Halloween coach because Claudia goes out and buys 30 pounds of candy. Oh, boy. And and then one year we'll run out of candy at 15 minutes before the end of trick-or-treating. Next thing you know, our house is ache, you know, the next morning. <laughs> and then, like, the next year, Claudia buys 34 pounds of of, of, of candy. we got to make sure we, we don't get egg this year. And next thing you know, we have two people. Come through the whole entire year, we got, like, buckets <laughs> worth of candy left. So, luckily, Hogan's kid came at 7.15 last right. night. We got no candy left. It's good. I- I prefer the Musketeer bar and the also candy corn. People don't talk about you know you know what I'm talking about when I say candy corn. That is that is the nastiest oh, stuff, coach. That stuff is so good. Candy, it, candy corn is plastic with sugar in it. I know that, and I I am not a candy guy, and I you know I watch what I eat pretty good, but I do have a weakness I have to say for candy corn. Now I, I have to admit it's the same exact texture, but those candy corns that are made the candy pumpkin for some reason. Yeah, I, I got the weakness for the candy. Oh pumpkin. yeah, I eat the green stem out, and then I'll eat. Yeah. for some reason though, that candy corn I, went yeah. by the wayside for me one day when I bit into like the the white stuff, and it <laughs> tasted exactly like wax. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I forgot to put the sugar yeah. in this one. I haven't eaten one since. <laughs> it's like eating a candle. But yeah, that's yeah, basically it's just no sugar. <laughs> but the uh, what did you call it? the pump? The candy pumpkin basically yeah. is like three or four candy corns squished together. And then some shapeologist, candy shapeologist, puts it in the shape of a, a pumpkin. I, I don't know what it is, Coach, but the texture of that's a little <laughs> bit better than the texture of the candy corn, oh, and I, I can eat those. Yeah, but that candy corn, if you take the the triangular base or the wider base, put it at the bottom of your teeth, and then put the top part, the pointed top part at the top of your teeth, and then you squish down, and it slowly melts sugary into your mouth. You know, I've never done it like that. I've, I've never been that. Oh, yeah. uh, see, I, normally I just buy, I, I eat up the white part, then I eat the orange part, and then I eat the yellow part one mm-hmm. at a time. Try to savor it. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. So you're a tri-level eater with that. I may I may have to try that. As a long-time candy corn guy, I don't think I've gone that route. And I'm like, I like to slam food. Those candy those candy corns will live forever. Yeah, okay, yeah but if they get stale, now. but if they get stale, they get nasty. But uh, hope everybody out there had a great uh, Halloween, beautiful day for it across the country. Uh, it was interesting. My son has a friend who just moved here from. He's going to school at the high school now, but moved from another country, and I'm forgetting which one. Big though, but was not aware of the tradition of Halloween. And apparently, when they were describing it to him, he thought they were like playing a practical joke on him. You know, yeah, yeah, right. You know, trying to get him to dress up. You know, yeah, no, no, no. Seriously, people dress up. You know, you go knocking on doors, you get candy. And it's interesting how we have these American traditions like a Halloween that some folks in other countries have no idea we take it for granted. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think people realize, like, because it's one of my favorite, favorite holidays. And I did not dress up last year for, and I typically dress up and stuff. I didn't dress up this this year for some reason. Mm -hmm. But it's the second most money spent on uh, holiday in the U.S. Yep. That's the second most amount of money spent just on that holiday. Is So after, obviously, Christmas. So it's, that's dramatic, Coach. If you think about $7 billion, the average American adult 
spent $72 yesterday yeah. on Halloween. Particularly I mean, wow. of, of late. If I could be a Halloween historian for just a bit, and I don't know if uh, Big Dog and David Olson, you guys are old enough, but I remember Halloween was very, very popular. Not quite as retail-oriented, the numbers that you just brought up, but uh-huh. then it hit a major slump. And I'm going to guess it's been back for 15 years. So from the mid-80s to the mid-90s, there was a drop-off. Part of it was the stranger danger factor. There was, a, boy, I'm even going back like into the lights and electricity. Remember when the whole Richard Nixon save on electricity thing? Um, but yeah, I don't remember. I remember when I was in school, like but in the in the 80s, it was huge, Coach. It was? The, uh, yeah, that's a, maybe it was a time when you were too cool to wear costumes. You know, but no, it, was, it was beyond my high school years and even the early. I think it was more when I was in the 30s, so more like 20 years ago. But any of our listeners, uh, in addition to the scintillating sports talk, if you got any thoughts on Halloween or you can help us out here. But I'm fairly confident there was a significant slump where it kind of faded away a little bit. And then, boom, it has made a large comeback. Uh, let me throw the phone number out real quick, 888-463-6748, 888 but uh, like you said, Big Dog, it has become a retail aficionado, a huge holiday here really the last 15, 20 years. Now, uh, according to CNN, on years that the economy is doing very poorly yep. are the years that Halloween does the best retail-wise. Explanation. And, and according to this, they were like, and the adult costumes, like the kids' costumes don't change. That is the same with, like, parents know they got to get their kids Halloween costumes, whether they're rich or poor, mm-hmm. okay? But when the economy is really down, adult costumes shoot through the roof. And this and this woman's on there, she's like, psychologically, it's the day of the year that they don't have to worry about their economic problem. A little escapism. So and, and I'm like, really? So they're turning this whole, and they started going through all the, uh, the last four years in the, when the economy's basically been in the toilet. There, this is the biggest four years of Halloween for adults that they've had in like since they go all the way back until the late seventies when uh, when Carter was in office and we had uh, you know when the economy was even worse than it is right now. So mm-hmm. kind of amazing. Interesting. They were like they broke it down until the last time there was this huge of a of an increase in uh, Halloween sales was during the last time there was a we were in this bad of an mm-hmm. economic situation. And, and it goes back to like you said the psychological factor. People uh-huh. for for a day. If you dress up, you can escape from your problems. Is that kind of the, without getting too scientific, that the basic theory? Yeah, exactly. And they, they talked, uh, and then like somebody else on this, they brought up the fact that in the 1930s and also the last couple of years, movies have gone through the roof because people feel like, well, I, I can't go out and spend 50 bucks on a meal and go out to have a good time. So I'm going to spend 10 bucks on a movie and I'm going to get away from my problems for two mm-hmm. hours. There you go. So it's like, it's like, so when movies and Halloween are doing really well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hopefully, like you, uh, you bought a lot of gold and silver at that point because you basically <laughs> have no money. Oh goodness, economist Joe Rudwanski joining us here on the Two Guys in a Mike Show. Phone lines open eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. So, dog, uh, uh, you know, people want to know: Did you or did you not go out last night? What was your outfit, or did you uh, lay low this particular Halloween? No, I- uh, I went as a gentleman yesterday, Coach, and I was able to remain a gentleman all the way until Lily the Lilac left the house. Ah, interesting. So I would have dressed up. I would have done all that stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, having a, a nice night alone. It was really cool, actually. Okay. So nice, romantic evening. All I even right. lit a candle. Our listeners, uh, 
Not sure whether they want to or not, but it's been like a soap opera following the relationships of Big Dog over the years. It's uh, when sports times are slow, you know, we like to go with that. Even when sports isn't slow, like right now, we still like to go with it. But it sounds like the uh, relationship is, how shall we say, you're uh, moving down the field in a methodical fashion, looking to score the touchdown. Sounds like at very least you're going to go a field goal, but you're moving the chains right now. I'm still in possession of the football, okay, and I got the lead. Is the best way to that's the best way for me to tell you, coach. All right, now, and David Olson, maybe you can give some advice here because in the past, it seems like you know Dave, uh, the big dog is the you know the Philip Rivers of the dating world. Right near the end zone, he's going to fumble a snap, throw an interception. How does he avoid the big turnover here and actually hey, get coach, a coach? You have to admit, there's been quite a few relationships where I took a knee. It's true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. It's not always the fumble on my part or the interception. That's true. We know one thing. You used up all your challenges, and you have no timeouts <laughs> left. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to need any of that on this particular one. Oh, coach. wow. I love Pretty the good. confidence. I love the confidence. All right, very good. I'm glad we got that all uh, settled in. Now, I don't know if you heard or not. David, do you have any advice for the big? I don't want to interrupt because David Olson is probably the most uh, on solid footing between the two of us here, which is a pretty easy choice. No, no, I got, I got nothing. I don't, I don't know what his game plan is. I, I, I haven't seen the film, so I can uh, offer no advice. You're gonna really find it strange. So I do want to get off of the subject really quickly. But <laughs> I'm gonna, this is, this is my game plan: tell the truth and be myself. And if that doesn't work out, then I'm gonna, then I'm pretty much, then I'm pretty much gonna end the date. And I don't know what I'm gonna do at that particular point. I'll probably start dating like. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, people like somebody from Afghanistan, they'll be coming back. <laughs> I would add a third thing. I would say, tell the truth. What was it? Tell the truth. Uh, be yourself, and put away the flowered shorts. If you could do those three things, I think you got a great chance. Well, I tried that yesterday, but the first thing she said to me when I get over was, "Put the pants on." Well, okay. Like, <laughs> and I was like, "What about flowered shorts?" And she's like, "That'd be fine. Put something on." All well, right, so, oh. All right. Well, two out of three is not bad. All right, Big Dog, let's try to get back on track here. I started, and it is Residue Tuesday, by the way, so feel free to bring up anything that uh, happened over the weekend. We rushed over the NFL yesterday, but I did want to get to the fact that right when I was ready to take a nice reprieve from college football and get recharged up for another big weekend, I looked in the paper and I had no idea. But there is a great game tonight. Northern Illinois University at Toledo, Tuesday night, College football, ESPN2. Am I wrong in saying this is a very near must-see TV for the collegiate football fan? Without question. Uh, not only is this a massive game in terms of the MAC conference, the Northern Illinois-Toledo game is always a barn burner. The problem is whenever they go to Toledo, they get burnt at the end. I don't know what it is. Northern Illinois has got a heck of a football program, has given away so many games in Toledo. Hopefully this does not happen tonight, Coach. Mm-hmm. That's like been their Achilles heel thorn in their side. I'm sure Northern's favored in this game, and if I was betting, there's no way I would bet on them in a million years, ever. Not playing Toledo. I'm not this so sure. Little... I'm not so sure they're favored. Toledo is at home, and they've won four in a row. Okay, well, and Toledo always beats Northern Illinois in at in the glass bowl, is what mm-hmm. they call it over there. So right. this is one of those games as a Northern Illinois fan you're not looking forward to. <laughs> you yeah. Know I mean? I'm, I'm part excited and part like, oh boy, I gotta get because I'm really, to be honest with you, not in the mood. For college football on a Tuesday night, it's you know especially after watching a ton over the weekend, almost need a break. But this is uh, this could be a it has been in the past and figures to be again a great game. It should be a good game, coach. It absolutely should be a good game. It's going to be high scoring. These two offenses are just spectacular so far this year. So mm-hmm. we'll see. 
All right, so we'll check that out. And uh, over the weekend again, we had, what, two of the undefeateds knocked out, Kansas State and Clemson, so we're down to five or six elite teams. Big dog, we talked a lot of college football yesterday. When it all clears out and all washes away now, can you give us a prediction, if not a dereliction, on who might be in the national championship game at this point? Yeah, so far I'm going to have to say it's going to be the winner of the Alabama-LSU game is going to be taken on in the national championship game, the loser of the <laughs> Alabama-LSU game. Uh, smartass, I thought you were going to say that. You think I'm kidding? No, I know. I, 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 I understand. Uh, That's you it. finally believe me that LSU will not lose more than one game this year during the regular season? Yes. Please believe it. Okay. I, I will be oh. fully admit I was completely wrong about uh, Les Miles and his Louisiana State Tigers. Coach, and don't, let's, let's admit this is the first year that the SEC has ever been top-heavy in the you take the fifth-ranked team in the SEC, they're just as good as the fifth-ranked team in the Big Ten this year. And that's another reason why LSU and Alabama, because you, when you looked at that unbelievable schedule, I think you may have overrated the Mississippi, the Mississippi States, and the mm-hmm. Georgias of the world on LSU's schedule. Well, let me ask you this now. You're predicting those two teams to be in the national championship. Does that mean you are, in turn, predicting both oh, Stanford oh, and the fighting um, Justin Blackmans to both get beaten at some point? Uh, Oklahoma State is going to lose this year, and not because their offense isn't the best offense in the country, which it is. Their defense is average. They're going to stumble by the time that this year is over, okay. whether it's to Oklahoma or whether it's in the Big 12 championship game. Now, the only team that I really think has a chance of going undefeated the whole entire way is uh, is going to be Stanford. And Boise State will not be selected over the loser of that game if it comes down that Boise State's undefeated. And everybody else has a loss, and Alabama is sitting there. And especially if LSU loses, if Alabama loses at home, and it's kind of an LSU whitewash, Alabama will not get that second turn. If LSU loses on the road and it's a close game, LSU will almost – they're going to go over everybody unless an undefeated Stanford is around. Mm -hmm. Did you see where I just went there? Yes. Even an undefeated Oklahoma State will go to. Those two teams undefeated will still go before the uh, LSU. But other than that, I don't know, Coach. Stanford could uh, very easily, very easily get knocked off last week. They're playing the Oregon Duck. Oregon's back and, healthy again. And if you look at, I mean, Wisconsin's defense, Oklahoma State's defense, Stanford's defense, they're pretty much in the same ballpark, above average college football defenses. But in order to win the national title, you normally need a a great defense. But, you know, Auburn won one with a good defense last year. That wasn't a great, you know, Division One football champion defense. Neither was the Oregon team that mm-hmm. played the title game last year. So. I think part of it, uh, part of it is going to be based on, you know, they're calling it the game of the century, the game of the millennium, whatever. It's going to be a great game. Saturday night, LSU at Alabama. Part of it will be, if, if it is a great game, Big Dog, and fairly close at the end, well played, I think there's a, a I agree with you, there's a tremendous chance we're going to see a rematch. However, if one team, you know, pretty much semi-handily beats the other team, I think that significantly diminishes the chance that we see a, uh, a rematch for the national championship. That was exactly my point, Coach. And especially if it's Alabama who loses in a diminished fashion at home. Then they won't have any chance. Mm-hmm. Then certainly they will not have any chance to get back in. Mm-hmm. So, I, I agree with you. I agree with you there. And But I'm going to look at it as an elimination game. And those folks, too, those folks should also, because... Let, it's not out of the question that either Oklahoma State or Stanford remain undefeated the rest of the way. And if they do and you lose that game, you're going to be like, we've never got a second chance. Can you imagine if you lose that game, 
you don't even you're not even going to you'll probably get into a BCS bowl. So most of those schools are going to a BCS. That's that's not it. But uh, since the BCS game is the Sugar Bowl this year, I'm assuming LSU's winning the Alabama game and winning. So that's just a piece of schmoes tricks, people. Well, you know, I don't shy away from them. LSU's winning the game. If we if we see the point spread, I don't know. Alabama maybe. Uh, Alabama has got to be a four point favorite. I'm assuming. Four. Yeah. I was going to say. I'll, I'll look it up and find out what it is. But I was, was going to guess Alabama. maybe maybe two. Those two teams are about based on what they've done this year, about as even as you could possibly get. But we'll preview that matchup certainly as the season as the week wears on. And Big Dog already coming out and saying that might be one of his beat the schmo football no, it picks. Will be. It will be. I, I know. I, I just I have a feeling. I'm taking the points. I'm doing this all I'm saying to you, Coach. I'm taking mm-hmm. the points in that game. Mm-hmm. By the way, on the NFL side, one thing we didn't get to yesterday, we did talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and their impressive Monday night football victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Joel, we mentioned our Chicago Bears, of course, our favorite team, off uh, over the weekend. But it did bring up what should be, uh, well, they had a great one last night, what figures to be another excellent Monday night matchup. But the Eagles would have lost, would have taken some of the luster off it, but the Bears are coming off a, of, you know, Couple of game win streak. They're four and three now. The Eagles look like they're returning maybe to the glory that was predicted of them. It's a long way off, but next Monday's game, Bears and uh, Philadelphia Eagles could be one of the better marquee matchups in recent uh, weeks for Monday Night Football. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that everybody just assumed that the, the Eagles are going to win now because they looked great on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys. Yep. So all week long, the Eagles are going to be told how great they are, and they finally got the, the ship righted, and it's all well. And the Bears won't have a chance. And I have, you know, Coach, whenever everybody tells the Bears don't have a chance, that's when they win. I don't know how many times they've done it, but they they blow games that they shouldn't blow. <laughs> but in the Levy Smith era, how many games have they won that afterwards like <laughs> think they had a chance? So I, I like the Bears' chances against the Eagles. It's a good matchup for them, a real strong matchup. Well, Philadelphia Eagle head coach Andy Reid will tell his Philadelphia Eagles two things. Uh, first, he will tell them absolutely. When you are in Chicago, you do not put ketchup on your double cheese hot dog. That's the, the first thing. Is, the problem is, Lovey Smith's going to have to tell, talk to his uh, buddies and tell them that you don't put ranch dressing on the Philly cheesesteak when they're in Philadelphia. What kind of dressing? Rancid? Yeah, well, you don't put rancid oh. dressing on any food, whatever you'd want. I was going to say, okay, ranch, you said. Yes. Uh, I thought you said rancid. <laughs> Boy, thanks, Lovey. Thanks for that hit. Don't put rancid dr- ranch dressing. By the, the way, f- the game is the game's at the bank, Coach. It's at Lincoln Financial. It's outstanding. Why? I'm, I'm more fascinated. I'm about to get to point number two Andy Reid's going to make, but the ranch dressing on a Philly cheesesteak sounds pretty good. Why Why would that not be allowed? Uh, I, I don't know, Coach. I honestly just pulled that one out of some place deep out of my backside okay. and just you said ketchup on hot dogs. Gotcha. I said ranch on Philly steak. Gotcha. Just to let you know, the gotcha. game was in Philadelphia. The second thing Andy Reid will tell his team is that don't listen to the media. Don't be overconfident, folks. Remember, we are three and four. Keep the damn chip on your shoulder, and we'll be just fine. Uh, Andy Reid's been there, done that, and as long as it's not his two sons listening to him, I'm sure the players will. Yeah, you know, you talk about a guy that is a great leader of men, does whatever. Yet he can't get his sons to stay out of the crack house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't that strange though that you said yep. it? Because so many of his players have been like, he's a father figure to me. He really cares about me. Blah blah blah. What a great human being. And then his sons go out mm-hmm. like they're like heroin addicts, coach. 
That's a, isn't that that's a strange yeah. it thing might that you be, just brought up? Might be a sign of rebellion. Unfortunately, big time professional coaches, the sacrifices they're not around the house very often. Big dog. So maybe that was a form of rebellion for the two kids. Yeah, that it's sad. That is sad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know one thing. Hey, the kid drinks a little too much, smokes some weed. You know what I mean? We start doing heroin. Yep. Oh my goodness, that's not that's, good. No. That is not good. But we'll look forward to that Monday night game. Now, I was given something uh, actually back on Friday by assistant producer Randy Myers. Big fan of yours, by the way, Randy. Um, and that is the top viewed TV shows from the previous week. And of the top 13 shows, Joel, on TV, the All season, this is from a couple of weeks ago, but just to show you how popular National Football League is still with the fans, uh, two and a half men, the season premiere with the new Ashton Kutcher. That was num- What's that? I didn't see. Was that any good? Uh, not particularly, but that was number one. The next 12 most watched television shows, all National Football League games. So, uh, see, NFL football is still very much alive and well. That is the one reason why I may possibly have a relationship with this woman. She doesn't know anything about football, and mm-hmm. yesterday she's trying to, okay, how do I need to learn this game if, if I'm going to date you? That's simple, Coach. That's how important the game is. Twelve out of the top 13 programs, NFL football in one week. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yep. Well, you could have, um, I know Merrill Hodge and some of the other uh, football players, you know, they do these seminars for females to teach uh-huh. them how to, you know, teach them the fine points of football to better understand your husband or your boyfriend or whatever. You could, you know, maybe a Christmas present, you could give her a uh, certificate to one of those fine clinics. That's not that's not a bad idea, but I think it's, I can do it better. Yeah, it's not really a good idea either. Just thought I'd throw it out there. They do have those. So, uh, Actually, they, a better idea would be, I, David, I could not think of anybody better and more entertaining and more informative than the big big dog. That's something you should be doing. Yeah, I know I should be teaching these particular classes. Yes. So I've already thought about that. And, and uh, I'd be a hands-off type instructor, too, which would be good. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number. Uh, real back to college football, real quick. We got an emailer checking in. Wants to know about Boise State. It's uh, emailer kiss my stats. Okay. Kiss my stats wants to know what does Boise State have to do to get into the championship game? How would you answer? Kiss my stats. You know what? Uh, Boise State has extremely little control about them getting in the national title game. But one thing without question they have to do is win all of their games. They can they can lose zero of them and they still have to be convincing in them, especially in games that are on national te- that are nationally televised. That might seem kind of cheap, but let's admit it. These are old voters that don't go out very much, don't read much. All they do is watch a couple games on TV. So on your nationally televised games, you got to dominate people. You know, don't bar- barely beat Fresno State. Well, they they beat them by about a hundred. And then the other thing they have to do is keep their fingers crossed that uh, college football and beatings just fall by the wayside for the next couple of weeks because uh, they're not going to be uh, ranked ever ahead of an Oklahoma State or a Stanford mm-hmm. if they have the same exact record. They're going to have to have better records than those teams. So now, basically, he... And don't worry about it, Coach. Those players out there don't, shouldn't worry about playing for the BCS title game. They just have to go out there. And when they're playing the Hawaii's and the and all those other teams out there in the Mountain West or whatever the heck conference they're in this year, mm-hmm. just get it done. I agree with you. I agree. And you know what? If you keep winning your games at the end of the season, 
even if you're not playing for a national championship, you're playing in a huge bowl game against another major conference team, and that's uh, you know a tremendous accomplishment as it is. So uh, you you can overrate you can overrate the whole number one number one. It's all subjective, anyways, because there's no playoff. Well, coach, I, I I agree and disagree with what you're saying. Okay, and I want to sit here on the fence, but what you're right about that is, you know what? Just play college football. You're lucky to be playing it and concentrate on the game at hand. The other one is. It is kind of important because it would be really cool if Boise State actually got a chance to play the big boys, okay, in the in the in the title game. But if you're if Boise State is doing like they did last year, complaining that they were weren't ranked high enough when they were undefeated at the time going into the last game, then they got beat. Hey, if they were worried about beating Nevada instead of worried about the fact they should have been two or three slots higher in the BCS rankings, they wouldn't have lost to Nevada. Then they would have had a real argument. So if you start worrying about where some eighty-five-year-old man is who is in the, what do they call it, the Peterson poll or whatever the heck they have. When they have these guys, I have no idea who votes for that. But legitimately, Coach, it was like about uh, three weeks ago, there must be an Illinois alum on there because when they were still undefeated, they got a number one vote. Okay. <laughs> how Seriously, how the heck, diehard Illinois fan, at no point this year did I ever think Illinois was battling for the national championship. And the Harris poll, that's at the Harris Illinois got a number one vote in the Harris poll, Coach. Must have been the big victory over the uh, stronger-than-expected Leatherneck of Western Illinois. That must have been it, Coach. So, like, whoever's voting on these particular games, uh, they have no idea what they're doing. So, in some sense, you cannot get, like, derailed by mm-hmm. worrying about the, the BCS. At the end of the year, if you're undefeated, and as much as it means to me, Coach, it really does, you, if you start worrying about what other people are thinking about you and where they're going to put you, that'll mess you up, and all of a sudden you'll lose a game you shouldn't lose to. Mm-hmm. So uh, Boise State, that's the, the, my my. Uh, you adhere to the game plan that Chris Peterson has for you, and don't worry about how everybody else uh, well, feels for you. And because Kellen Moore is leaving next year, coach, and they're not going to be ranked fifth nationally when the season starts. Mm-hmm. Well answered, my friend. Thank you. Well answered. Very very impressive. You answered. Uh, kiss my stats. Uh... Could not be more than more satisfied with an answer like that. You 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 filled up the cup, my friend. Anybody who wants to email the big dog and get their cup filled up, you can do that at uh, Mike Two Guys at AOL dot com. M I C and the number two Mike Two Guys AOL dot com. Kiss my stats. Send an email and all. It's got a little is a little one of those little kissy faces. Yeah. I'm assuming he is a male fan, big dog. But whoever he or she is, you have. Uh, Made their day, filled their cup, pardon the expression. Thank you very much. That's uh, It's awfully good, Coach. And if you need any other cups filled by me, you'd probably be disappointed with the results. Well, I believe our general <laughs> our general manager, the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, has informed us that next week might be uh, the biannual drug testing. So uh, keep a cup handy just in case, okay? And last year I did phenomenal on the drug testing. I was Surprising. able to figure out what was Acapulco Gold. <laughs> I knew what the sour spice was. Somebody had the white widow. I figured that out. Uh-huh. I did phenomenal in the drug testing last year. Yeah, I had a trace of sweet tarts in there. The whole thing. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Hey, big deal. Real quick, before we get to some other uh, items, including, I want to I want to bring up uh, the Tony Larusa resigning, uh, retiring. I guess would be the correct yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, retiring. But real quick, retiring. point off the sports page. Been a pretty big deal made out of it. David Olson, our world news perspective man. Uh, apparently, uh, yesterday, they don't exactly have the exact baby that was born but we do know that we hit the seven billion mark seven billion mark in world population your thoughts on this uh traumatic if not dramatic moment yeah they gave uh they gave the award to a baby that was born in the philippines they did i didn't think there was like yeah. 
one pick. Well, that's, well they, they, they picked one that they figured okay. this is the most likely time-wise to have been. Interesting. The seven billion maybe. Just to let you know, there's a couple different, uh, uh, like, uh, there's some people that say that the, the, the American lifestyle could only be led by two billion people on this planet. So the more rich people that we have, the, the quicker we're going to go down. And we went from, we went from six billion to seven billion in less than ten years. Okay, it's the fastest that a billion people have ever been produced on this planet. Yes. Well, I should say a billion, I guess more than a billion people were produced because a bunch of people died during that time too. But it's the largest increase in our in our population ever. Mm-hmm. It's never happened like that. Just think about it this way, Coach. Uh, population doubled. Okay, there were at the year 2000 BC. There were uh, there were 300 million people on the planet. Okay, it took 1600 years until 400 BC when there were 600 million people on the planet. Okay, and ever since then, ever since they took when human beings were actually like going at the, a regular rate of population, that was fine. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, there's been this, it's, it's ridiculous how fast we've actually populated. And they're, they're basically saying that by the year 2020, 2020, coach, that's nine years away, there's going to be, we're, we're, we're going to have two billion more people on the planet. So we'll be at nine billion. And by then, who knows what happens to this planet? Well, are we not at the multiplier effect? I mean, I'm not a math genius by any means, but basically as things increase, it's like the old, you know, 248, 1632, 64, 128, 256, 512. That's exactly what we're in. Yeah, that's why we're going to have 2 billion more people here in nine years. The more people you got, the more babies that are going to be born. Yes. So how do you – now China has – for how long have they limited – their families to to one kid. It, uh, I have uh, I've actually got some personal information on this recently, Uh-oh. and I, I don't know how long it is it, it has been, but I will get that information. Mm-hmm. I knew, and I know it's been since the 1950s. 50s. It's been that long. It's your whole wow. entire life, Coach. I did not they think it was limited, that long. They have limited. Uh, it, maybe it's the 60s. Okay, but it's it's mm-hmm. been a while, and and I do know that people have left China to come to the United States just so they can have more than one child. And what would happen is, this might sound really nasty, but I've researched this, and I've actually done, there are stories of, oh, our firstborn was a baby girl, and next you know the baby disappears. Because they don't want to have, oh, I'm only going to have one child, and it's yep. going to be a yep. daughter. Not that they're against children, women, they just want their right. name to be passed down right. and their legacy. Mm. So, 1.3 billion, I think I saw. China's still the most populated. Indonesia is rapidly moving up the ranks at 1.2 billion in the United States. No, is no, now... no, 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 India. India. India, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. Indonesia is like fourth. Well, and Indonesia is also the largest Muslim country in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you're a woman, you're trying to get out of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. There's no, you think Afghanistan's bad for women? It is, it is, it's horrible. But Indonesia and some, it's absolutely Horrible for a woman to live in. What so. country, let's give Big Dog a quick trivia question here, off the sports page, what country is encouraging families to have more and more kids so they can gain, or at least they think they can gain more and more power worldwide? Well, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna just throw this out there. I, I'm not exactly sure. I doubt it's one of the Asian countries, to be honest with you. They have a population overload. So I'm just going to... I'm going to say Brazil, Coach. Brazil? Yeah. Nope. Russia. Really? Yep. Vladimir well, Putin, uh, you know, he's got that 
insecurity complex or whatever. But, yeah, I think in Russia they are encouraging. And, in fact, Vladimir Putin, who works out regularly, likes to take a shirt off on a regular basis, as Machismo is well known, he has offered to assist any families in need with that particular uh, undertaking. Oh, that's, that's, that's not exactly a helping hand, though. What would that be called, Coach? Uh, not going to take a gander at that, but that's a president ready to step in. David Olson has some late-breaking information. Well, no, no, I was just going to say, I mean, <laughs> Brazil's the fifth most populous nation. Fifth. Fifth. Okay. It goes China, India, United States, Indonesia, Brazil. Very good. Followed by wow. Pakistan, Nigeria, Seventh, eighth, Russia, ninth, Bangladesh, tenth, wow. and Japan. Where does Boise State fit in that ranking? Uh, they're just <laughs> below Nepal, but above Yemen. Uh, that's ridiculous. Oh, heck yeah. Yemen. <laughs> Yemen. Uh, you, you know, Bangladesh. Isn't Yemen in, ja- isn't that in Jamaica? Yemen? Or yeah, is that Yemen? Yeah, yeah, that Yemen is in Jamaica. Okay. Yemen is right next to Jordan and Syria. I, I always get those two confused. Now, Bangladesh, you had it ninth on the list. Bangladesh is the size of Rhode Island, and it's shrinking. Legitimately, people live... They have double-decker shacks in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. It might be the worst place to live in the world. Suburban, suburban Bangladesh, though, is quite spacious. Ooh. No, no, legitimately, that that country <laughs> shrinks by like a mile every yeah. single day because of global warming, and yeah. they are increasing in population. They double like every five years. It's, that's, that is the epitome of global disaster, like what's going to happen uh, if we don't cut down how many people are being born on this, mm-hmm. uh, on this planet. Have you ever heard of something called the Georgia Guidestones, Coach? The Georgia who? Guidestones. thought I bought their album back in the 60s, but I don't think so, no. Okay, eventually one day you'll get out. Uh, well, <laughs> what basically happened is there is a monument erected that somehow was finished in the early 1980s in the middle of nowhere in Georgia. Okay. okay? And it's eight stones, and they're aligned to the stars, so like the longest day of the year, the shortest day of the year, all the sun comes up perfectly through these things. It's absolutely phenomenal. And in the eight most populous languages in the world, excuse me, the seven most populous languages in the world, and the eighth one is uh, an Anakin language, the original language of the human race, which I don't know how they figured this stuff out, and they put, I don't know who did this and why it's in the middle of nowhere, but, so there's ten, like, commandments. Nine of them are absolutely spectacular, and you're like, yes, that's exactly the way people should live. But the number one commandment, which freaks everybody out about this thing, is saying that the human population should never be over 500 million on this planet. Interesting. you got to look at this Georgia Guidestones up, Coach. It's really, truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. Somebody spent millions of dollars to make these things and disappear and never get credit for it. And it's mm-hmm. right in the middle of the field, right in the middle of Georgia, and the guy who owns the field said he didn't have any idea that these things were being built. And he's like, there's no way I'll take them down. He charges people to, and this guy had no money to actually build them. It's one of the strangest stories ever. And it's like the way, it's the guidelines of the way that human beings should live their lives. So they say 500 million people is the most that this that this planet can hold a capacity before we start injuring, like the whole Gaia movement, like the, the living Earth planet. So five that's 14 times as many people as supposedly according to the Georgia Guidestones that are on this planet with 7 billion. And and then don't forget all these other books that have come out the last couple of years saying that, you know, like I forget who wrote the book, but they're, and they made a lot of convincing arguments saying that you can't have more than 2 billion people on this planet. Otherwise, uh, plague and epidemic are going to just swipe right through. And that's what's going to happen soon, Coach. We're going to have a massive, massive 
like virus or epidemic that knocks out a couple billion people worldwide. And oh, I'm not boy. trying to be yep. a pessimist or yep. it's going to happen. You can't have 7 billion people on the wor- in the world and have the earth, you know, eventually you're like, well, there's a bunch of disease for deer. Well, the deer got overpopulated and they spread disease. It's going to happen on this planet. Mm-hmm. So I would there's, say in. There's your feel-good thought for the day. We started off the show worrying about uh, should Boise State have a right to play in the national championship game, and uh, I think we've gotten a little deeper over the last uh, 15, 20 minutes. Have, Maybe was the last tomorrow. Time you went grocery shopping, Coach. What's that? When was the last time you went grocery shopping? Uh, I go fairly often, so a couple days ago. Have you, have you noticed how much more expensive it was a couple days ago than it oh was a month God. ago? Uh, I've noticed it more and more the last year. The prices are... And you don't realize it when you pick out each individual item. But yeah, when you're correct. checking out, you do a small little grocery, you know, a small little grocery, $65. And that used I, to be, I, that used to be like a big shop. Uh, Cloudy took me to, I was like, I just ate my groceries for the week, okay? And I forgot a couple of things, and it was like 45 bucks. Normally it would be like 30 bucks. And mm-hmm. I'm like, really? And I forgot stuff. And I didn't even buy any alcohol or anything like that. I can't afford it anymore. Yep. So, uh, like, the best thing that's ever going to happen for me drying out and, like, getting my life together is the fact that I don't have money, which is probably the best thing that could ever happen to me, Coach. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I was just dumbfounded. And I came home, and I, I go to the Internet, and I started researching it yesterday. And right now they're talking about there's uh, the prices of food have increased by 3.5% in the last two months. It's the highest increase in food since the mid-'70s in the United States. You don't hear about really that much. Right now? You don't you don't hear about that much, but it, I think everybody's been hit by. We hear about the gas prices going up. Yeah, well, yeah. Fox News did uh, a nice little fifteen minute special on it last night, like we're like right around five o'clock where I started. I took a long walk, and they made it sound like the world was ending. Like food's going to go up so expensive over the next year that basically we're gonna we won't have to worry about so many obese people in the United States because mm-hmm. food's going to be so expensive nobody's going to afford to eat. And they're like, and it's going to be it's whether you eat out. Or whether you eat in, food everywhere is going to be just dramatically more expensive over the next couple of years. Boy, another feel-good thought for us. Maybe yeah, tomorrow's I, show, could we throw, I don't know if David Letterman's done this already, I don't want to copy uh, Mr. Letterman, but could we throw it out to our listeners, to yourself, to myself, we'll come up with 10 possible suggestions for controlling the world population? You know what, uh, if we do 11 or 9, it'll be okay, Coach. We just can't do okay. top 10. All right, 9, so, we'll call it 9 or 11. Just so we're not copying the top ten. We'll do our nine or eleven. Some can be serious, some can be humorous, but come up with suggestions for controlling the world population, and none of them can include the uh, rock singer Prince. Can I say so that right we, up front? Yes, we can. Okay. I, I would. The first one, just just uh, I, just the, uh, we got to keep it in the sports world. Yep. And I want to keep it light. First thing, Sean Kemp gets a vasectomy. <laughs> I knew his name was going to come up. He's got to get a vasectomy because that will definitely yeah. that will definitely it's curb yeah. the amount of, of babies getting it, into the into this planet. It won't cure the problem. The whole the whole median, you know, that's messed up when one man can throw off a whole median <laughs> on the human planet, seven billion. Oh goodness, we haven't mentioned Sean Kemp for a while, but uh, all right, hey, real quick before we wind up today's show, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. You want to chime in? We'd love to hear from you. Sports talk off the sports page, whatever it is. Uh, feel free to give us a call. User-friendly sports talk radio. Big dog and a coach. Don't be afraid to call up. Don't be nervous. Not that many people are listening, quite frankly. 888-463-6748. Dog, i got to ask you, uh, the Cardinals had their victory parade. Very exciting for the city of St. Louis. Congrats again. 
phenomenal story. People will be talking about Game 6 for uh, years to come. But also we got a little bit of a shocker yesterday when Tony La Russa announced his resignation, his retirement. Your thoughts on that particular partakement? Uh, as I've made a lot of fun of that guy, and he's kind of deserved it because he's always acted a little pompous and acts like he knows a little bit more than everybody else. But the truth of the matter is he actually does know a lot more than everybody else about the game of baseball. Uh, phenomenal. Starts his career with uh, the, the Chicago White Sox living out in Woodridge, Illinois. And uh, uh, who would have ever thought back in the late 70s that this guy would be considered one of the greatest managers that has ever ever laced him up in the game of baseball. Statistically and realistically, you look at his stats, the third most wins all time, six pennants, you know, three world championships on in organizations that, well, I guess the Cardinals and A's have great organization, you know, like not compared to the Yankees, but, you know, they have championship, uh, you know, caliber stuff. But, I mean, mm-hmm. he's just the guy that got it done over the years and was extremely always prepared. And, and a guy that was extremely loyal to the guys that helped him win, like Dave Duncan. Yep. He could have lost Dave Duncan a million times as his pitching coach, but I think he brought it up like once a month in an interview. I'm only here and I'm only as good as Dave Duncan. You know, and like, so he just gave so much praise to Dave Duncan. How about Duncan hiring Mike, Mark McGuire as his hitting coach against the advice of just about everybody else? Yeah, and, you know, talk about, and I loved that hire at the time because I was like, you know, there's certain times, certain people in their life are ready to get their act together. I'm not saying Mark, Mark McGuire had to get his act together, but he had such a black eye because of uh, using steroids while he was playing that he, you knew he was going to work hard and do a good job. I was not shocked at all that McGuire did a good job with, uh, with the Cardinals this year. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, the Cardinals led the National League and were third in baseball and one scored this season. So that's he obviously did his job as the, as the Cardinals hitting coach. So that's another good call, Coach. 2,728 career wins. He's third all time. When your name is behind Connie Mack and John McGraw, that's a pretty good, uh, that's move, moving your way up the list, Big Doe. Those are pretty, two pretty good guys to be right behind. Oh, without a doubt. You're, I mean, no one, Connie Mack has two records that, three records that will never, ever, ever be broken in Major League Baseball. One is most wins. The other one is most losses because no one's ever going to lose 3,900 games. That, you, you would have to have 39 100 lost seasons as a manager, and you would still be trailing Connie Mack for the most losses all time, coach. <laughs> Think about that. What's your chances of being rehired if you have two 100 lost seasons on an oriented organization? So, uh, yeah, those are records that won't be. Now, let me ask you. Let me let me ask you real quick, because we're running out of time. David Olson, what's your thoughts on this too? My only complaint. And I fully respect, you know, the record of Tony LaRusso. I, I like you personally. Sometimes he bothered me. I think we yeah. all agree, phenomenal coach. But the Cardinals have this miracle victory. The parade and celebration is on Sunday. And on Monday, a day later, he announces he's retiring. Doesn't that kill the thrill for the players and the fans a little bit? Couldn't he have not have waited two weeks? I just you thought the what? timing of the retirement was very poor. I, I, I kind of dis- I disagree. I, I disagree completely. You I ride totally the wave of sentiment and go out on top. Yeah, but isn't that taking is a little selfish? Isn't it taking some of the joy? No, 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 the- no, no, not at all. Why not? Not no. at all. It would have been selfish for him when there was no baseball news whatsoever, and the Cardinals were out of the news to say, "Hey, by the way, I'm retiring." And he knew it. He he admitted. He was going to retire all season long. He just didn't want to make a story out of it. Well, I understand that, but wait two more weeks. Season's done. You said selfish, Coach. 
what is more selfish, him waiting two weeks and be, oh, by the way, I'm going to retire so he can get more uh, notoriety at it, or is it being less, or is it being selfless by the fact that, hey, Cardinal organization, you guys, you got to figure out who your manager's going to be next year. Uh, they they can figure it out in two weeks. It's selfish Whatever. because, you know, when I say so, he might not even have thought about it. I think the timing was bad. The bottom line is everybody's talking about La Russa resigning now and not let them enjoy what was a sensational championship run. Don't take the enjoyment away from the fans but and the well, players. He knows he's going to retire. He was going to retire. I understand in, that. In, so what? April, he was going to retire. I, uh, well, I, okay, so Joel, this? I got that ever, part. Have you ever had a girl, have you ever had dated a girl that you took out a couple times and had a bunch of nice dates with her, and all of a sudden she just dumped you, and then you found out later that she actually had every intention of dumping you for the last two weeks. And you're like, why didn't you just tell me two weeks ago? That's what he did. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm leaving. I, you know, I hate to tell you I was going to retire all year long. I'm done. I'm done as the uh, – he did it at the perfect time. If he does it in the middle of, like, a Wednesday in November when there's no news in baseball, mm-hmm. then it's a little selfish. Why didn't he I, tell the Cardinals immediately? I it's, disagree. I completely agree with – completely disagree with your I, thoughts. I disagree with you. The, the more I think about it, the more I disagree with you. Yeah, Dave. No, I'm just I'm, – I'm far more offended with his blatant misuse of just-for-men hair coloring, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Who, I mean, seriously, who's this guy kidding? Just let it go. <laughs> And he gets the eyebrows too. It's just yeah. yeah I'm, well, that's that, that's, that's hope all part of the uh, ego image. What did our uh, ex producer used to call him, Abner Doubleday? That, no, that's, he, that, I, that was mine. Okay. Because he I thinks said, he I, created I, the game. You know who, you, who that is? Actually, that's Steve Stone of the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with him one day, having lunch with him, and he, we were talking about Tony Larusa, him, Ron Santo, and me. Can you believe that I had lunch with those two? And I'm sitting there giving my thoughts on Tony the Rooster, and they both laughed. And then, and then Steve Stone out of nowhere says, "Oh yeah, he's Abner Doubleday." Oh, Dave Kaplan was also there, by the way. Ron Santo picked up the bill, so I, I did not come up with this. Uh, uh, Kevin Horan and Norris Wolardwanski okay. came up with Abner Doubleday. It was a one Steve Stone, and I almost choked on whatever I was eating at the time. Nice, nice name dropping at the end of the show. Did you like that? Did you like that? Big Dog, we will uh, see you tomorrow. Remember, Halloween's over, so no dressing up tonight unless you want people to talk. Okay. Uh, Coach, uh, I am dressed up right now, and people will be talking. All right, and Kiss My Stats wants to know your home phone number. I won't give it out, I promise. 976. Yeah, <laughs> stop. <laughs> TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening.